We've been on a journey and we've been talking about worship. We've been talking about um, those different themes of, of, um, of how we engage with God in worship. And, um, and, as, and if you were here for the, for the, uh, the beginning uh, sermon, which I encourage you, if you didn't, go ba- please go back and, and, and catch the, uh, the sermons you missed. You can go onto the website and um, you can hear it on a podcast. Um, uh, but I think for many of us, when we think about worship, it can be maybe one or two dimensional. You know, it's like, oh, well, worship is when you sing songs. You know, that's what worship is. Or, you know, worship is, is when you dance. And so it's like, okay, those are my two dimensions of worship. I worship God when I sing. I worship God when I dance. And, and I think for many of us, we kind of have a mental picture of what worship is. And, and, um, and that is, it's certainly not, you know, less than that, but it's definitely more than that. So I think for our picture of worship, it's, um, it's probably not that it's misguided. It's certainly not um, less, but it's definitely more. And so what, what we've been talking about, and Jason did a brilliant job last Sunday talking about one of the aspects of worship is as we love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, he, he, he stepped into meditation and in the and in the scripture where it says to meditate on the scriptures to meditate on the goodness of God to meditate on his law on his testimony and and so he walked us through that time of meditation how many of you guys have incorporated uh, some of those exercises of meditation into your into your quality time right over here right over here isn't it just been rich so good i have been so enjoying taking the time to just take one one section of scripture, and then just to, uh, if you guys remember, I mean, I'm recapping because it was that good, but even just going through the scripture of emphasizing, that's my favorite one, is emphasizing a different word each time. Just reading through and emphasizing a different word. You shall love the Lord your God. Oh, I shall, yeah. You shall love the Lord your God. Mm, he is the Lord and on and on. And it's just been so sweet to take the time and slow down and worship the Lord in Scripture as I meditate on the Scripture. Now, I read the Scriptures every day, but this has brought fresh life for me to slow down enough to take one section of Scripture and worship Him in that and let Him open that up in some beautiful ways just by, just by taking the time. And of course, you guys know me, that's a challenge for me is to take the time, you know, just to, to let it marinate. And I think probably many of you, like me, are enjoying knowing that God says, hey, I encourage you to take that time and to meditate and to think it through. So that's a beautiful aspect now that we're adding to our habit, our practice of worshiping God is to say, okay, I'm now learning to worship you in this way. So now it's, so now, you know, for those of us that were like, hey, worship is singing and dancing, great, that's amazing, that's true, and then now we have added that worship, to worship him with all of our mind, there's a component where we actually engage our mind. How many of you in here are excited that following Christ involves engaging your mind, huh? Not very many of you. Okay, well, that's fine. The first service was super excited about that. I can see you guys are like, no, it's all heart. Um, <laughs> I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, a, a religion that, enga- that engages the heart but does not engage the mind will soon be forgotten. You know, it's like we have these beautiful emotive experiences with the presence of God. They're beautiful, absolutely beautiful, but that's not all he does. 
That's not all he does. He engages your mind. And this scripture that says, we will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, speaks to that very thing that we are, that we are worshiping him with our whole person, with our whole self. So today what I want to talk about is the word worship. I want to talk a little bit about the word worship. You know, we throw that out there, and I think sometimes when we use a word enough, it can lose its meaning. And so let's dig into this a little bit and find out where did that come from? Where, where did that word worship come from? Where was it first used and, and wh- where is it mostly used and how should I use it? What should I think about? What should I picture when I, when I hear the word worship? Does that sound good? Well, I have the microphone, so it's what we're going to do. <laughs> this is really unfortunate timing that my first scripture starts with, and then the devil. Um, So Jesus, this is in the scriptures where Jesus has just fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He's led by the Spirit to go out into the wilderness, fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and be tempted by Satan. So Satan shows up on cue, and he's tempting the Lord and uh, Jesus, and he says to him, and the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, Jesus, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Now, the devil was not lying. At this point, Jesus had not died for all of the world yet and been resurrected. So the keys of hell and death and all of that, the authority over the earth, was actually Satan's. It had been given to Satan because Adam and Eve had given it over in Eden. You guys are with me? So the devil was not promising something he couldn't deliver on. He was actually saying, Jesus, if you will worship me, then I will delegate the authority that I have now, because I took it from Adam and Eve, to you. So you can accomplish your purposes by worshiping me. Because how many of you know he came, Jesus came, to save us, to take all the glory and dominion on the earth back? And Satan's going, well, if you worship me and do it my way, I'll let you do that. And of course, skip the God's plan. So Satan is literally tempting him with something he has to give. That's my point. And, the, and, and so how, what does Jesus say to Satan? He says, uh, he answered and he said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. So Satan says, I want you to worship me. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship only the Lord your God and serve him. That's his response. Now I want to, so that's, that's the first two sections of the, or the first two uses that I want to show here for worship, and this is in the New Testament that I just had shared with you, so that is Greek, that was in the Greek. We're going to go look at these words in just a moment. The second one I want to show you here is in Exodus. God is speaking to the Israelites, and he has taken them out of Egypt, and he has rescued them, and now he's getting ready to take them into the promised land, and he says to them... For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, this is an interesting scripture, isn't it? I've I've heard this scripture totally misunderstood by people who don't understand God's nature and his beauty. Um, And they assumed that God was like jealous of you, like I want what you have. You know, no, no, no. This word right here, whose name is Jealous, his name is Jealous, is he is an exclusive God. He doesn't want an open relationship. You are not just a little trick that he turns when he's in the mood. He, he is like, if you worship me, I, 
value you. I am a covenant God. I'm not an open marriage kind of God. I don't share your affection with other people. I don't, I don't say, yeah, come connect with me for a little while and then go amuse yourself. No, no, no. My name is jealous. My name is exclusive. He actually says, my character is that I want you to worship me only and I value you to the point that I will not share your affection with another. Isn't that beautiful? And he's saying to Israel, he's saying, when you worship me, you need to understand this. You will worship me only. I am not going to be open to you also worshiping other false gods. And there's that word again, worship. And this one is in Hebrew. So what is, that, what are, what is the usage of this word? Um, what, what, is, what does that actually mean? And here we go. In the Hebrew, it is shaka. And it is to bow oneself down. There is a physical, it's to physically bow. It's to lower yourself. And, the, and in the New Testament, it is a proskuneo. And it also means to bow oneself down. So in the Old Testament, the New Testament, it means the same thing. It means that you're physically lowering yourself before a superior. You are saying, you are God, and I am not. I am, I am physically bowing before you. So there's a physicality to it. Now think about that first scripture that I showed you, that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and with all of your soul. This is an entire being commandment here. If I'm going to love you with all of my heart, I may be able to have sort of maybe just a romantic sort of love, like, God, oh, I just love you so much. But then if I'm not physically with you, not running around, then you probably wouldn't continue, you wouldn't see that as much as a, as a committed love, would you? But when I, begin to, when I begin to come and physically be with you, I'm here, you know, um, and, I, and my, my attention is towards you, my mind. My affection is towards you, my heart. My body is near you, physically, my strength. And my entire self is with you, my soul then I am fully engaged. I am loving you with all of my being. And God has called us that when we worship him, as we follow him, as we love him, that's what he's calling. I want your entire being to be focused on me as your God. Remember when I started this uh, uh, series, I talked about that we are called to behold God because we reflect what we behold so in order for my life to reflect this God and his character, I'm actually called to behold him. And how many of you know that if I don't, if, if, if I'm to reflect his character, and let's say I'm a mirror, but I don't re actually look into the light, if I don't face the light, I cannot reflect that very thing that I'm called to reflect. I might get just a little bit of it, but not all of it. We are called to fully reflect God in our worship. And there's a physicality to that. The basis of worship is that we're putting ourselves in a posture of bowing before God. There's a physicality of saying, I am surrendering. I am, I am lowering myself in front of you. I am taking my own heart, my own mind, my own, and I'm lowering my stature. I'm physically lowering my stature in front of you. And I'm saying to my own soul, you worship the Lord. That's what you do. I'm saying with my own mind, 
mind engage on the goodness of who he is. This is who we are bowing before. And, I, and then my body, my body is, 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 is giving that directive. It's, it's receiving from him, but I'm physically willing myself to do this. Do you see the fullness of that? And this is where we get the word worship. This is the foundation of our worship is that we're not coming to God like equals and being like, sup, bro? Like I was hearing some of your teachings, you know, and I was like, that's pretty chill. I'll do your thing, you know, it's all good. It's like, no, no, no. I mean, he loves us, so, you know, he laughs. He's like, Josh, let me show you the cross. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, is that what you did for me? Um, you see what I'm saying, though? They're, they're, we're not coming to God like equals. We are coming to God as sons and daughters. We are coming to God as someone that he chose. We don't, we don't, even, we don't even get to start that conversation. He began it. We are responding. We are not the ones who started that. Does that make sense? So it only makes sense that our posture when we talk about worship is that we look at the one who created us and as a created being, our response is to see ourselves rightly and our response to his goodness is to bow. You guys with me? So there's a physical obedience in worship. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's a physical obedience in worship. Now, here's a chapter out of our history, and I say that because when we read the word, the, the history of man with God, God with man, that's laid out in scriptures, this is our history. We are not smarter than the people that we read about in this book. We may have more knowledge that has stacked up so we can refer to it, but we are not smarter than these people. We're made of the same stuff. We're made in God's image. We have the ability to choose and think and reason. And so when we read these scriptures, it's so vital for us to see ourselves in them. And I want you to see yourself in this narrative as I begin to unpack this for you. This is Israel. They've now been rescued from, from Egypt. And you guys know that Egypt represents sin and bondage, right? This is our story. Egypt is the, is the story of sin and bondage. And Moses, he's the picture of Christ coming to rescue the people, take them out of bondage into the promised land. So they're getting ready to go into the promised land and God speaks to us, speaking to Israel, he's speaking to us right now, and he says to them, once you go into the promised land, it's important that you don't forget to worship me. So let's just start off with the scripture here. And when you've eaten and you're full, then you will bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you don't forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and you're full, and you've built beautiful houses and you dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. I love this. God's like, as you're enjoying everything that I have, and it all results in multiplication, let's just love it, beautiful. We're experiencing that, aren't we? And all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Remember when we were first saved? Remember when we first found God or maybe you were raised in a, in a Christian home but you remember when you, you realized for yourself like I, I get to choose to become a follower of Christ and you remember that sense of like from death to life, it was almost like colors were brighter and food tasted better and people were not dumb, you actually liked them and you guys, you remember this, right? 
I know most of you, of course, it's never grown cold for you, but for those of us like myself who do things the hard way, it faded a little bit. And as, and as, and as I got used to, as I got acclimated to walking little by little, it's kind of like, eh, your heart gets a little lifted up. You forget where it came from. You start to forget where you came from. Are you guys with me? And God is speaking to the Israelites. He's saying, listen, this, is, this can happen. This can happen. You can go into the promised land, and even in the midst of all the blessings, your heart may get lifted up. And he says, and then you will say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) And then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you will surely perish. Now, this language is is very familiar language. This This is the same type of conversation that God had with Adam and Eve in the garden, where he said, I put before you life and death. You've got the tree of life, and you've got the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You have my way and my blessing, and you have (laughs) self-will. Your good ideas of how to do stuff. They're in this tree. Don't eat from this tree. And what do they do? They ate from the tree. Okay, well, (laughs) this is that same conversation. He's saying, as I take you into the promised land, as I take you in, as I take you into the kingdom, as things are beginning to go right for you, are you guys with me? As you go into the promised land and things go well because you guys, where we go, where the kingdom is, the kingdom blessings expand. God's kingdom is always expanding. It goes from strength to strength and glory to glory. And what, but what can happen, and here's the warning for us in this, what can happen is that we can begin to say, it is by my power and the might of my hand that I've gained me this wealth. It's because I'm so smart. We're in America, right? We're like, we're so smart. Look at how smart we are. We must be smart because look, we're richer than everybody else. Well, nobody in this room fought the Revolutionary War. Nobody in here penned the Constitution. Nobody in here fought the Civil War. We inherited a bunch of stuff, good and bad, but there's a lot of good. And if we're not if we're, if we're not careful, we can easily just be like, well, man, things are going so well in so many ways. It's just probably because we're so smart and strong and wise. And God is going, no, 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 no. Guys, it is the Lord that's given you the ability to create wealth. It's me that's doing this. And he says to us, if by any means you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you will surely perish. Now, Adam and Eve, when they ate from the fruit of the tree, did they die that day? They did not die that day. But death came into the relationship. God is the author and the, and the, and the, and the creator of all life. So when we move away from him, what are we embracing? Death. So death starts to come into our lives. And in the same way, God's speaking to them, and he's saying, listen, when, if you turn away from worshiping me, and you begin to think, oh, I did this myself, and you begin to worship other gods and follow them, death immediately starts coming in. Something else starts coming in other than what I have intended for you. Now, when we follow other gods and serve them and worship them, what is that called? Anybody know? Idolatry. That's right. It's called idolatry. 
It's the worship of idols. It's, it's worshiping something other than God. <laughs> worshiping God, totally okay. Anything else, totally not okay. So it's idolatry. Now for you guys, right now you're thinking, Josh, I don't bow physically to idols, so I'm not sure where you're going with this. Come on, how many of you are thinking that right now? It's okay. You're like, I don't like this sermon. I don't either. I'm not having any fun either. Um, so for us, we, this is kind of hard like, to wrap our minds around because you think, I'm not physically, you just talked about that to worship is to physically bow, and now we're talking about all of this. I'm not physically bowing to any other idols. So, so where are we going with this? Well, let me tell you where we're going with this. In Ephesians, this is a letter to us. It says, uh, this is a letter to the Ephesians, but then also to us. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do you see this? Jesus said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've already slept with her. Jesus said, if you look upon your neighbor and you're angry with them without reason, then you're in danger of hellfire. You already, in fact, and in another place it says, if you have anger in your heart towards your brother, you're a murderer. It's, what's the point? The point is, is that we are all guilty, have been guilty one time or another of idolatry. The point is, is that though we live in a time right now and in a place right now where we don't physically bow to idols, there are idols all around us that we are bowing to in our everyday life, and we are indeed worshiping. Isn't this great news? <laughs> I know, right? It's like, this is the most somber sermon ever. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. I, I, I bring all this about simply for us to see that one, in light of the words of Jesus and the teachings of the apostle in scripture, every one of us has committed idolatry in one time or another. And indeed, right now, we may find that we are commonly living in such a way that we commit idolatry and don't even recognize it for what it is. We're, we're consistently doing it right now. Such as, nor a covetous man. You guys know what it is to covet, right? It's to look at what someone else has and be jealous that you don't have what they have. We live in a culture that actually glorifies that very thing and calls it fairness. And it's, we're so inculcated into it that we nod without thinking it through to find out what, what should this look like. I'm not saying that, that, that this isn't a complex issue, but I'm saying our culture glorifies covetousness. That if one person has it, everybody should have it. 
And it's, it's unquestioned. We live in a culture that glorifies sex as opposed to covenant. We live in a culture that glorifies materialism as opposed to stewardship of God's things. So, how then shall we live? (laughs) Here's the beautiful news. Here's the beautiful news. That if you and I are doing one thing, then we are not doing another. If I am in Oregon, then I am not in California. If I am in the arms of my beautiful wife, then I am not in the arms of another's wife. If I am worshiping God with all of my heart and all of my mind and all of my soul and all of my strength, then I am not worshiping another. This is what God's called us to do. He's called us to be purposeful that in all that we do, that we bow down before him in that thing. And it actually begins with that in the morning, when we rise, we get up in the morning and we take time to bow before the Lord. Or perhaps when we pray at night, we take that time to bow before the Lord. And most certainly when we come into the house and worship him together, that we physically take the time to bow before the Lord. And there's something amazing that happens when we bring physical obedience to what God has commanded. He blesses us. We learn from those things. I want to read you a a quote um, by C.S. Lewis, and this is from the Screwtape Letters. Are you guys, who here has read Screwtape Letters? A couple of you. For the rest of you, it's one of my favorite books. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to explain the premise very quickly here, you, here to you. It's, a, it's, a, it's written from the perspective, actually, of Screwtape, Uncle Screwtape, who is a head demon in Satan's army, and, or in Satan's kingdom. And he is writing advice to his nephew. And he's instructing his nephew on how the best way is to lead people quietly as possible to hell. And um, so that they'll come into the ownership of, of, of Satan. And, of course, and then at that point, actually, in, in the book, then they consume you. They're, you're something that they eat in hell. So they're just tricking you all the way into hell so they can finally consume you. And so Screwtape is giving all this sage demon advice to his young nephew. And at one point, he's encouraging his young nephew that um, the book is so insightful. You can't read this book and not see how many times the enemy has used these tactics on you. So if you haven't read it, I really encourage you to write it, or read it. It's, it's quite a book, really encouraging. Um, but at one point, Uncle Screwtape is saying to his nephew, he says, encourage your, um, your patient um, that it doesn't matter whatsoever how he prays or the position of his body one way or another because, um, he says, because these, 
these uh, creatures, they don't realize that they're part animal and that whatever their bodies do affects their souls. Now, this is, of course, fiction from C.S. Lewis, but he's speaking to a great kingdom principle that we forget, that what we do physically affects our souls. We have a tendency to disconnect the physical parts of our lives from the spiritual parts of our lives, but the Bible teaches no such thing. The Bible actually says that the physical speaks of the spiritual, and it also says that the temporal speaks of the eternal. So the things that we're doing in the physical have eternal consequences and eternal blessings. So you, you don't separate, you're not, you're not like separated from the spiritual realities, you're physically doing those things that create spiritual realities. Does that make sense? So your soul is affected by whether or not you are physically obeying the Lord. And, and in, this, in this lovely quote, he's saying, whatever their bodies do, affects their souls. There's something that happens in my soul when I bow down before the Lord. There's something that happens when I say, you are God and I am not. You are worthy of worship and I am not worthy of worship. You are worthy of worship, God, and nothing else is worthy of worship. And I'm physically taking my mind and my heart and my strength and my soul, those things all combine together. This is my soul. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I am bowing before the almighty God, whose name is Jealous, who will share me with no other. And when I do that, I come into order with my creator. I come into the reality of the kingdom. I take myself and I physically bow before the Lord and I say, God, you are the Lord and by this physical act, I worship you right now. And this is the foundation of when God says, you will love the Lord and worship him only. You need to see and understand that the basis of that is that you're actually bowing. You and I are actually saying, I will bow before no other. Isn't that beautiful? And in that moment too, when we do bow before him, there's also a clarity when we humble ourselves. There's a clarity that comes when you behold God and you say, you are, you are the idea guy and I am not. You are the creator and I am the created. You know everything, I know a couple of things. There's something that shifts. And when you do bow before God, you also suddenly become aware. There's something about physically realize, you know, there's something that happens where suddenly you go, wait a minute. There are some idols that I've been bowing to. There are some places, God, as I'm bowing before you, I'm realizing there are some places that I've been bowing before others. There are some places where I have been in someone else's arms rather than yours, God. So when we worship God in the way that he's called us to worship, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our rationalizations start to fall apart, and praise be to God that they do. The Spirit of God begins to convict us of the demigods that we've, that we've begun to worship. 
we see those places where even the very blessings that he's given us have caused us to be willing to say, yeah, but I'm doing that by the strength of my hand. I'm doing that by the wisdom of my life and, we're, and that we've, we've actually started to forget that it was him that gave us the breath that we have. If we're wise enough to make that great business deal, it was because he gave us the wisdom to be able to do it, not because we created ourselves. And so it brings all things into focus. So as we, as followers of Christ, come into the house and worship weekly, do you know why we come and worship weekly? Because God commanded us to come and worship weekly. And when we do, when we come into the house of God, it says, I was glad when they said to me, come, let us go up to the house of the Lord. And that's why we come into the house of the Lord. Because we are, we are called out, we're coming, we're worshiping him because he calls us. And what happens when we worship him? We are changed. We are the followers of God. We are the ones who bow to him only. And others take notice because we won't bow to their gods. We don't bow to the gods of progressivism. We don't bow to the gods of relativism. We don't bow to the gods of popularity or materialism or politicalism. We don't bow to any other gods, only God. Isn't that beautiful? So as we worship him, followers of Christ, as we worship him, know that when he says to worship him, is to bow before him. May the Spirit of God begin to work in our hearts that we would bow to no other. So as we leave now, before we go, let's worship him. Psalms 95, 6 through 10 says this. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let us worship and bow down. Now, if you physically can't get down on your knees right now, he will take a bowed head from you, no problem. There's still physicality to that. You're still bowing your head. But if you are able, then let's take just a couple of moments and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna bow before the Lord. And as we do, we're going to ask the Spirit of God, as David said, search me, O Lord, and show me if there is any wicked way within me. We're going to say, search me, O Lord, as I bow before you, will you show me any idols that I'm in the habit of bowing before? And then let those go. Repent of those. Turn away from those. Lord, I turn away from that. I'm seeing right now that I consistently bow down before this, be it fear, be it greed, be it lust, be it materialism, or whatever ism it is, you and the Lord know. He's going to tell you about it. But leave those demigods and let us turn to the Lord. We'll take about two minutes and we're just going to bow before the Lord. We'll turn some music on so that we don't have to uh, listen to one another's whistly breathing. We can do business with the Lord. Father, we come before you right now we worship you in the stature that you call for as we bow down before you. We declare that you are God and we are not. And we declare that you are God and no one else is. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts right now, even as we bow before you, the maker, the creator, will you convict us, Lord, 
of places where we have been committing idolatry and bowing before other things. We want to set those things aside, Lord. Bring them to mind right now that we could repent of them and turn away from those things. places where we have overthrown those idols, God, as you've spoken to us and shown us these places where other false gods have been and where we've bowed down, would you begin, Lord, to show us how to bow before you in those places, what it is to bow before you in every place, in our businesses, in our schools, in our marriages, in our private time, in our browsing histories, in our judgment of others, in our politics, in the way we spend the money that you've entrusted to us. In every way, Lord, show us in your word and by your Holy Spirit how we bow before you. We will worship you only. And we thank you, God, that with you there is forgiveness. You do not keep a record of wrongs. So when we turn to you, you forgive us. And we thank you for that today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. The prayer servant team is going to come up. If you need prayer or encouragement or healing, please avail yourself of that. God bless you. And um, as you leave today, if uh, several of you would, wouldn't mind, we, we need to stack these chairs eight high because we have to take them all out to get that second coat on the floor. 